Welcome to episode 148 of the Various Assembly Podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man whom I almost introduced on my other podcast, John Scott Sloat. What happened? <laughs> this is the first I'm hearing of this. So uh, some of our listeners might know I do. Uh, I've started another podcast with Ben Glad mm-hmm. called the Biblical Theology Briefing. Okay. Which, in fact, uh, public service announcement, our next episode drops the same day that this episode drops. So feel free to check oh, that out. Okay. But uh, I did the introduction, and I wasn't thinking, and I just kind of almost defaulted into what I do for this show, and I got to the point where I said. My good friend, and I started, and I did the like the j sound. I went, j- Ben Glad, Ben, how are you? <laughs> I felt bad, but yeah. So you're so I'm so accustomed to this podcast. Yes, yeah, yeah. That uh, you're on the brain, even when uh, I'm doing my other podcast. Yeah, sometimes you get on autopilot, I and do, you're just yeah. coasting through life, and yeah. Where you found your rhythms is where you go. I know. Well, speaking of rhythms, um, we are recording on a Monday, which is our normal rhythm. Yeah. But it's kind of a It's blob. a cr- crummy, crummy Monday. At least it's warm. Like it's not too cold outside. It's, no. But it's sort of we're, we're a day – happy Reformation Day by the way. Oh, yeah. We're oh, recording on Reformation wow, Day. Wow, we are. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, yeah, Reformation but, Day. But it's a little it's sort of like welcome to November, right? I it's think that sort of blustery, wet, leaves are all over the place. Well, I think next week is daylight savings. This upcoming weekend is. Yeah. yeah. So the first yeah. weekend in November. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. Hmm. Because I I do not like coming to campus when it's dark in the morning yeah. for my class. Yeah. I I like I like to be able to drive in with a little bit of daylight. Like, oh, the sun's coming up. The day is starting. Not what time is this? Is this like 2 a.m.? Is it 6 a.m.? Is it what? Like, I, I'm ready. I feel like we do it a week too late. Now, I think this is the last year maybe for daylight savings. Are they taking it away? I believe so. Yeah. Are you sure about that? Either this end of, end of this year or end of next year. One of the two. Interesting. I wasn't aware. I knew there's been discussion about that, but I didn't know if that's I been some decided. Leg- I thought it had passed. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. Well, more motivation to get out to the polls and, and vote next week, right? I don't yeah. know if that means I, anything. But. I don't know if that's on the ballot. <laughs> Probably not. I've heard of platforms surrounding daylight savings. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you'd like to contact the show, you can reach us by Twitter at VNSPod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We are on YouTube. And we would love for you to leave a five-star rating and a review on whatever platform you choose to access the show. John, let's talk some sports. Sounds good. So big college football weekend in the sense of really one game that was a big – I mean I'm not just saying this because it involved Ohio State. (laughs) The best, the best matchup of the weekend was uh, Ohio State at Penn State. Did you catch any of this game? Uh, I caught that it was close. Okay. That, that was about it. And it sounds like Ohio State had a pretty major comeback. 
Um, uh, well, maybe not major comeback, yeah. but but it was close, and then it and was then it was such a bizarre game. Ohio State stepped on the gas, maybe a little bit in the fourth yeah. quarter. So, uh, Ohio State um, got down twenty-one sixteen with eight minutes and fifty-one seconds to go. Penn State scores a touchdown to go up twenty-one sixteen on a ridiculous drive that had so many weird things happen. Um, but in any like, Penn State <laughs> missed two field goal tries on that drive. The first one was negated by Penn State's false start. Hmm. So they false started. So the kick, the play never happened. Kid missed the field Quote, goal. Quote, unquote. Yeah. So then they back up five yards and then uh, they, kick, they kick the field goal. Ohio State misses it. But Ohio State lined up over the center, which apparently is illegal. I thought you could line up over the center as long as you don't hit the center. For it's a it's a player safety thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Five yard penalty. Penn State decides. Well, the kids missed two tries. We should probably go for it. They go for it. Get it. And then they get it down to the Ohio State, um, like one yard, uh, maybe two yard line, one and a half. Fourth and goal. They decide they're going for it. Ohio State has the running back dead to rights in the backfield. Can't wrap him up. Scores mm. touchdown. So then, in the next six minutes. So, well, Ohio State proceeds to go on a three-play, 75-yard drive. It was like chunk, chunk, boom, 40-yard touchdown run. Nice. So in a matter of like 30 seconds, it was Ohio State's backup. And then, um, yeah, even the sequencing, they scored 28 points in a six-minute span, including a pick six that that iced it. Hmm. But – the the big thing, they had a defensive end, JT to a Malowau. Of course, fun, yeah, yeah. How much, how much did you practice saying that? Uh, it took a little bit of work. Yeah, <laughs> this was his stat line: six tackles. He had two sacks. One of them was a strip sack in which he then recovered the f- the fumble himself. Okay, so he had a good, he had a very good game. Um, I'm not done. <laughs> two interceptions, including a freakishly athletic like. Rushing the passer, just jumping up and plucking the ball out of the air. What does he play? Defensive end. He had two interceptions to the defensive end? Yeah. The other one he dropped into coverage and then undercut a route and picked it off. Like a shoestring interception, Hmm. diving interception. Um, That's a Sean Ellis-like game. And then he he forced another interception where he tipped the ball into the air for one of his defensive linemen to intercept it. Hmm. Um, it, it's one of the, it's one of the greatest defensive performances by an individual player in Ohio State history. Hmm. Dominant. Uh, he was a five star recruit, kind of like finally breaking out. So uh, Ohio State shouldn't be challenged the rest of the way till they play that team up north. Yep. Uh, who beat? They beat Sparty, and um, the first college football playoff rankings will come out. Uh, well, the day this drops, the evening this drops, so on Tuesday. Tuesday night. Yep. And I expect the standings to go uh, Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama. In that order? In that order. So you think Tennessee's number one right now? I think because they beat Bama. It's the best, it's the it's best, the best win, win of the anybody board. on the board. Hmm. Now, now, Tennessee and Georgia play this upcoming weekend. Yeah. So one and two don't matter. They will be one and two 
I just don't know the order. I'm thinking Tennessee should be number one, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Ohio State will be three. Okay. And then one of those teams will lose and Ohio State will move up to number two the next week. Hmm. So that by the time I think you get to Ohio State against Michigan, it'll be two versus three for the Big hmm. Ten East Championship and you know almost a certain berth into the college, college football playoff. playoff. Yeah. Okay. So that's where we're headed there. Uh, Georgia-Tennessee Tennessee should be fun. That should be a really good game, yeah. Um, I can't remember where it is. I think it's at Georgia, isn't it? I think it's at Georgia. That sounds right. Um, by the way, uh, Tennessee walloped Kentucky. They did. This weekend. I was not going to mention that in light of our the sympathies of our um, – Correspondent. Of our sports correspondent. Yeah, he had a tweet that did not age well about uh, the revenge game. Was it before the game? It was before the uh, game. Yeah. Maybe a day before. Okay. See, I – I was reminded again of why I don't tweet during games by watching that Ohio State-Penn State game because hmm. I was so frustrated. Bad play calling, rough officiating, just like what are we doing here? And so I, I'm, I'm glad that I have stopped tweeting during games. It's better for my soul. Hmm. <laughs> to not tweet. Keeps the melancholies at bay, <laughs> does it? Well, it keeps the foolishness from escaping beyond my mind out into the public <laughs> is what it does. That's really what it does. So uh, all right, let's talk some NFL. All right, John, what happened? Your beloved Jets lost to the evil empire. Uh, yeah, Zach Wilson threw three interceptions. Okay. They were up 10-6 at the half, weren't they? I thought I saw 10-6 that. 10-6 at the half. But they had a pick six at the end of the half that was reversed because there was a roughing the passer penalty. Mm. Can't touch. Is it Zap? Is that how you say his last name? The quarterback for uh, New England? No, it's the other guy, uh, Mac Jones. Oh, Mac, Mac Jones, Jones was, was back. playing. Okay. And uh, yeah, the, I, it felt like the game turned on that play. So we was it a legit roughing the passer, or is it one of these like, are you kidding me? Why don't we just put flags on him and play flag football out back? It was probably a gray area. Like okay. I don't think he – he definitely ran into him late. He did not full-on tackle him, kind of pushed him to the ground sort okay. of situation. Okay. So it was probably a gray area if I'm being honest. But, I mean, Zach Wilson, you just can't throw three interceptions and expect to win football games. Yeah. You're going to get that though with a young quarterback. You're going to – I mean he's still a young quarterback. I know he played last year but didn't play a full season last year. No, he did not. And missed some games at the beginning of this year. So he's really still a first-year starter in yeah, effect. He's played – I think this was his 18th game he started. Yeah. So yeah. I mean he's just got to play better. I mean that defense is really good. Mm-hmm. Really good, um, like top five, and yeah, that that offense when he's not throwing interceptions is also very good. They have mm-hmm. playmakers. Yeah, Garrett Wilson had a good game. I'm telling you, he's he's the real deal. He had a real good game, um, but you want to know what? You can't throw three interceptions and expect to win games. No, and he is wearing it from the news media. I mean, they are hanging it on him like. Jets almost win game, except their quarterback is terrible. Okay, that's kind of the headline coming out of this. My my headline. I told you before we got on on air is apostate Mormon. You know, throws interceptions. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Uh, so 
Not a, not a good day. No. I mean, the Bills are still in first in the AFC East. Yeah, I, th- I think and we're – so s- then are you tied with the Dolphins then maybe? Are you? At- that sounds right. I, we would have the tiebreaker on the Dolphins. Yeah. Um, we're definitely ahead of New England still, but – Yep. So five and three now. Five and three. Which under the old system would be halfway through the season. But would technically be. it's not. That's right. Yep. Five and three tied with the Dolphins, but we do have the tiebreaker. Okay. Which, I mean, at the start of the year, if I'd have, if I'd have said – You could be five and three. You could be five and three at the oh, yeah. game mark. You'd take it. You'd yeah. have taken it. We should be six and two though. We yeah. should have won that game. Yeah. We were at home, lost to New England. Okay. Um, and we got the Bills this weekend. Oof. Yeah. That's tough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I've i been watching the, the – I just want to note – and again, it's not because I'm a Bears fan, but because Justin Fields is their quarterback and he's an Ohio State product. But um, I, the Bears have made some changes to their offense where they actually realize, hey, that Justin Fields can run a little bit. So they're rolling him out? Uh, they're rolling him out. They're actually calling – uh, planned quarterback runs, like not just like hmm. rollouts and scrambles and not even RPOs, which they're doing some of that, but like legit like, okay, we're going to go uh, QB power right and it's just straight up we're going to run it at you. Yeah. So he's run he's run for over, over like 60 or 65 yards the last three games I think in a row. And that's starting to open up some more throwing options for him. They got thumped by the Cowboys yesterday, but their defense gave up over forty points. So. But they were in that game at they halftime. Were. They were, if if yep. I remember. Yeah, so I watched a bit of that game. So that's encouraging. It, it it always aggravates me when you see a college kid come out, and the team is so adamant about this is who we are. So you have to adjust to us rather than well, let's look at the talent we have and adjust the system to who you got. So. Anyway, uh, are you paying attention at all to the World Series? Yes. Okay. So when this episode drops, it'll be 2-1 somebody. Yes. When we're recording, it's 1-1. So I, I, I haven't watched any of it. I mean, I'm rooting for an apocalypse or something to end this series. <laughs> like, I just can't root for either of these teams. Yeah. Uh, the Astros are, are, are vile humans, and uh, the <laughs> Phillies aren't much better. Yeah. I mean, oh, the Astros man. cheated. Uh, Significantly in ways that players weren't punished. Yeah. Uh, and the Phillies um, sell hard liquor, liquor at all concession stands. <laughs> How can you root for either of these groups? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, at least they sell it. I thought they might have given it away given the state of the fans. <laughs> they might. <laughs> they might. I think the world will burn if Philadelphia wins the Super Bowl and World Series in the same season. Well, and the Eagles are what, 7-0 and now? 7-0. and Yep. They're undefeated. I don't understand that. That no, I mean, who saw that coming, honestly? Who no. saw the Eagles going 7-0? and Well, I don't think anybody saw Justin Hurts taking the jump he's taking. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. What did I say? Justin Hurts. Justin Hurts. Um, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I don't think anybody saw him taking the leap he's taken. And then if the Flyers have a good year and you get gritty in a, in a parade of some kind, <laughs> watch out. We, we will not have a Philadelphia. <laughs> You're probably right. All right. We should probably move on. Uh, you ready to move on? Uh, I mean, the NBA is underway, but neither of us are paying attention to it, right? Knicks have won some games. That's <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And they've lost at least one. I was – I was keeping an eye on the score yesterday. Okay. Yeah. I, I've caught a few glimpses of NBA action, but I really don't have any context of, of who's playing well. So, Cavs are 5-1. and one. Uh, Okay. Yeah, Jake probably told me that. So Yeah, Cavs are 5-1. and one. All right. We should move on. Okay. 
So we are continuing uh, today our series on miracles. And so we are in part two, focusing specifically on Jesus' miracles. Last week, we focused on uh, just kind of an introduction in general to miracles and, and how to think about them. Now we're moving more specifically into the um, uh, the ministry of Jesus. And in particular today, we're going to talk about Jesus healing miracles. That's mm-hmm. going to be our focus. So um, probably should throw out a caveat to start here. Um, you know, we've divided up the miracles into some of these nice and tidy, clean categories, right? We're going to do healings today. Next week, we're going to do, um, I think we're doing exorcisms. And the week after that, we're doing nature miracles. Well, it, you know, that sounds nice and tidy and clean. They don't always divide up. When you tidy. read the yeah. accounts, oftentimes, especially when it comes to the healing and the demonic uh Oftentimes, the gospel writers just smush those right together and unapologetically connect demonic presence with uh, some sort of physical malady. So, mm-hmm. so I think that I think that caveat is just important. We don't we don't we don't want to treat these as if they are divorced from the demonic realm, but just for the sake of uh, making our discussion easier, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to do it this way. You good with that? Yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about it. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let's start with what's the purpose of the healing miracles in Jesus' ministry? How would you articulate that? So I think I'd want to change your question slightly to what are the purposes okay. of Jesus' healing miracles? Um. One thing that I that I uh, think they are doing is they are uh, they are showing sort of you know last week we were talking about the new creation sort of bursting bursting through. Yeah. Um, I do think that's happening in these healing miracles that yeah. that Jesus, being the special unique figure that he is, is uh, something of a conduit for this new creation mm-hmm. uh, power to enter into these uh, sinful people. Okay. Uh, and so it allows uh, them to experience things that perhaps the normal person doesn't experience, like a withered hand becoming whole. Yeah. So I think there's that aspect. I also think there's part of it that it it connects to Jesus' identity mm-hmm. as well. So in the example of the withered hand, uh, I believe in Mark's gospel, that's connected to uh, Jesus being Lord over the Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, yep. And so showing his identity, like, well, who who has – who is Lord over the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's God. Right. And, and Jesus Jesus is God. You know, and that's kind of the point. Same thing kind of happens uh, in Mark chapter 2 mm-hmm. with the healing of the paralytic, right? Um, yeah. Jesus forgives him of his sins. The, the you know the the teachers of the law the Pharisees are there going like oh my goodness who can say this who can forgive sins but God alone and he goes basically essentially I can get up and walk you know and it's, it's to be sort of a yep. sort of a so those are two things that I think of um, as being special about the healing miracles both the new creation aspect mm-hmm. and the identifying Jesus as as God himself okay so his compassion plays no role in those right 
uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> of course, it's compassion. Of course, yes, yeah. yes. I'm being, I'm being salty, but uh, the, uh, yeah, I think the two the two reasons you led with are in fact i think the most significant uh, mm-hmm. purposes behind jesus doing these miracles um they do uh they do authenticate his identity mm-hmm. and they um they are advanced previews of the restoration that will come through the new creation that jesus is bringing so i think those are in fact but of course he is also Multiple times, you know, the the gospel accounts will indicate that he's moved with compassion when he sees the suffering or the hardship that someone is experiencing. And that is also obviously part of his motivation to alleviate um, that suffering. But um, I think that that helps answer the question. I mean, Jesus didn't heal everybody. Right. And so why not? You know, so there must be some larger purpose than mm-hmm. just he has the ability to do so, but doesn't feel like it or doesn't feel compassion on certain people versus others. There has to be some larger purpose for whom he choose to, chooses to heal and why he chooses to heal them. Mm-hmm. So I think that can just be a reminder there. It is interesting. Uh, so I believe I covered for you in Luke when we got to, uh, I believe it was the Sermon on the Mount or Luke's version of it. And I believe at the start there, it says that many people from uh, these Gentile cities on the coast, Sidon and uh, Tyre, and Tyre, Tyre uh, are coming down and he is healing them. Like, um, you know, these in the New Testament or in the Gospels, it's easy to think we have all the accounts of Jesus's healing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to say that we do. Not even close, I don't think. Um, so, <laughs> I think uh, we're scratching the surface in yeah. terms of what Jesus actually did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I wanted to hit on – I think one of the key passages that brings this this emphasis together is found uh, in Matthew 11. And there's the parallel account in in Luke 7 as well. But uh, this is Matthew 11 starting in verse 2. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now, it's fascinating is that in that response, Jesus is weaving together language uh, from several different texts in Isaiah, of course. Of course. I mean, obviously. Is there any other part of the Old Testament that the New Testament <laughs> uses, actually? Or is it on just occasion. on occasion? On occasion, yeah. But it's just mostly Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, yeah. So, uh, you know, so for example, in Isaiah 29, um, in anticipating the arrival of God's redemption, uh, in verse 18, the text says this, uh, In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. And then in uh, Isaiah 35, 
talking about uh, restoration from exile and ultimately new creation. Uh, uh, Isaiah 35, starting in verse 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Mm. Uh, For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water in the haunt of jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. So you'll notice uh, and then later on in that passage talks about God's people returning out of exile, being ransomed from that. And it's interesting how how you combine those texts of physical healing with new creation, mm-hmm. like that they're that they're attached together uh, in those Isaianic passages. And in essence, what Jesus seems to be saying to John's disciples is, um, now go tell him what you're seeing and remind him of what, what Isaiah, of mm-hmm. all books, John, Isaiah, <laughs> Mr. Prepare the Way of the Lord, uh, go back and think about what's in Isaiah, John, yeah. and, and you'll, you'll, you'll see it. Hmm. So, no, that's good. And so I think um, it, here's where it's important to keep in mind uh, the purpose of these miracles as uh, they're advanced previews. They're, they're like going to the movie and you see the movie previews before the feature film you're about to watch. The two-minute trailer, right, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, so that's what that movie's going to be like when it comes out next month or next summer or whatever. It's not the whole thing, but it's enough to ho- hopefully whet your appetite to want to go see it. Um, that's what these healing miracles in effect are because uh, they anticipate the fuller restoration of our physical bodies in the new creation. Now, do you think that as people are watching the blind receive sight, the lame begin to walk, that they were that's where that's where they went, like, oh my goodness, new creation is here? Like like the age to come has arrived? I think some of them would have made that connection uh in light of those expectations from the Old Testament. Hmm. Um you know, it's interesting, like uh in Luke nineteen or actually Luke eighteen and in Mark uh, that would be Mark 10. Uh, the healing of uh, the blind beggar Bartimaeus outside mm-hmm. of Jericho. So he cries out, uh, son of David, have mercy on me. So he's identifying Jesus as the promised Davidic king and asking for physical healing as an expression of mercy. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I think he gets it in terms of there's that connection. Messiah has come. And we should expect that um, the other aspects connected with the arrival of Messiah are going to show up as well. Hmm. But here's why I think I want to make the the point of these are advanced previews but not the full thing. Because every single one of those people that Jesus ever healed died. Mm -hmm. Every single one. Including ones that he – Including the ones that he actually – for lack of a better term now, <laughs> raised from the dead, which I don't mean that in a dismissive way. I'm just going to qualify that in a moment. But, um, you know, so the the healing that they experienced was true and genuine and real, but it wasn't the fullness of what was to come. Mm-hmm. So that in the new creation, those very people 
will have perfect eyesight and have limbs that will never go lame and they'll never die kind of thing. So uh, I think that's an important qualification oh, yeah. to, to put in there. Um, so let's get to the, to, the, to the resurrection that Jesus performs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's, there's – I mean I can think of a few off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, Jairus's daughter yep. uh, comes to mind. Yep. Uh, obviously Lazarus. Lazarus. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Lazarus comes to mind. Yes. Uh, and then uh, the widow's son in Luke 7. Th- yes. Those. Yes. Are there any others? Off the top of my head, I can't remember any. Okay. Those are the three that, that I remember. Okay. Now, those are obviously unique. Yeah. I know we often talk about uh, Lazarus. Gosh. Um, <laughs> Lazarus as being a foretelling of Jesus. Yes. You know, you know kind of a foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what, uh, yeah, when, when, when we pair these together and talk about miracles, what, mm-hmm. what comes to mind for you? So I think we need to distinguish between the kind of resurrections that Jesus performs on these three individuals and Jesus own resurrection. Mm-hmm. They're obviously related. I mean, John 11 makes the connection explicit. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah. But right before raising Lazarus from the dead. So I'm not in any way saying they're disconnected. What I am saying, though, is that they are distinct, meaning uh, Lazarus and these other two were restored to the quality of life they had before they physically died. Mm -hmm. That's not what happened with Jesus. His resurrection – allowed him to enter into a heightened state of human existence because he had a resurrection body that is um, no longer subject to decay or to weakness or to anything like that. Because it's – in one sense, it's the beginning of the new creation is his resurrection body. So – when Lazarus was raised from the dead, when the when the widow's son was raised, it's like they were resuscitated back into their pre-existing um, experience of physical life. Now they were obviously they were healed of the disease that ultimately killed them. Yeah, I would think so. Right, right. But they could catch that disease again, or just die of other causes. Sure. Right. So you know, if they died of an illness, mm-hmm. okay. Well, they might be healed from that illness and be brought back to physical life, but they still die of old age Mm -hmm. or die of a different illness because they still live in a fallen world and they don't have resurrection bodies like Jesus does. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, to to put the sharper point on it, not only did every person that Jesus healed die, every person that Jesus raised from the dead died again. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there again you see these are anticipations of, previews of what the ultimate realities will be like in the new creation. So they anticipate that. Uh, and so that, that I think that's why we kind of lump – I would lump them here under the physical healing yeah. miracles. They could almost have their own – Own category. Category, but I, th- I think you're right. I think it makes sense to put them underneath the physical healing yeah, and when you think about resurrection in the Old Testament, it's inevitably connected to um, new creation, 
and also to restoration from exile. I mean, that's that's what it's connected to in the Old Testament. When, when you start mm-hmm. talking about resurrection, you are in those domains of new creation, new covenant, fulfillment of promises, and restoration from exile. So that um, those who would have had those Old Testament categories could have recognized those mm. things as well. So I think um, you know those are in one sense a special category of healing miracle hmm. also. Well, what do we got on the docket for next week? That's a good question. I can't remember if we're doing exorcisms or whether we're doing nature miracles. I think we're doing exorcisms. Okay. We can handle ex- we can handle an exorcism. Maybe here. we'll do one live yeah. on the pod. Boy, that'd be great content. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a little guilty for saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll be that'll be an interesting conversation. Okay. Um, so, yes, I think um, that that that's a good the, – the, the thing I always want to emphasize when talking about Jesus healing miracles is – are those points of – they point to his identity. They're expressions and anticipations of the new creation. Mm-hmm. And um, they were – they're previews and so they, they, they lack the fullness of what we can expect in the new creation. And uh, and I think that also puts some should put some brakes on on us becoming obsessed with physical healing, even in the church. Mm-hmm. Like if I were to come down with some, if I were to have a terminal condition, well, of course I'd want you to pray for me, and I would I would not stop you from praying that God would do something miraculous to heal me. Sure, go for it. But honestly, I would hope that you'd pray as well and perhaps even more persistently that I would glorify God mm-hmm. in the midst of my suffering. Yeah. Um, knowing that this – that physical health is not the ultimate end-all and be-all. Yeah. We, we, we just had a member of our local church uh, experience some uh, – without giving too much away, some, yep. some cancerous things. Uh, and – He's he's a little bit older, yep. um, and and that was exactly his prayer. Was just like I want to live, right. absolutely, but yeah. I want to glorify God through this. More. Yeah, you said the and, same thing to me, and that was that was very encouraging. Yeah. Uh, to me, a great testimony. He's a he's a great guy. I, I do hope the Lord um, provides physical healing mm-hmm. for him, but uh, mm-hmm. if not, I am confident he will suffer well mm-hmm. in that context. So. All right. Are we ready to move on, John? Yeah. Uh, let's do it. Time for this we, uh, this day in sports this history. Week this week in sports history. No, not quite. Uh, November 1st, 2022. Where did the year go, Matt? It's clip November 1st. Yeah, it's it, it's November. Yeah. Well, I crazy. mean, we're we're sort of at the, the last days of the year here. Yeah. Almost done with the third year I know. Well, I was, podcast. You know, I was looking 148. What, what's what's the three-year mark for us? 156. Oh, my goodness. We're almost there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, anyway. All right. November 1st, 2022. Uh, let's see. Any names here I should be on the lookout for? You'll just have to oh, see. Oh, goodness. I haven't read through these yet. Um, <laughs> I already see one. Um, 1913, Notre Dame upsets Army. 35-13 in the college's inaugural football game. Quarterback Gus Duras, sure, okay, uh, was fourteen of seventeen. That's not bad. 
Not Especially for 1913. Yeah, 243 yards, two TDs, play better than Zach Wilson. Uh, and receiver, <laughs> Newt Rockney. Classic. Yep. Did I get that right? Yes. Rockney? Yeah, legend. Uh, uses the forward pass effectively. I'd say if you're throwing for 243 yards in 1913, that's yeah. very effectively. Yeah, something the Mormons still can't do. Um, <laughs> all right. The Catholics can. Uh, the Catholics can. Uh 1964, Cleveland running back, Jim Brown. What a good runner, Jim Brown. He was a beast. Uh, runs for 149 yards in the Browns' 30-17 to win at Pittsburgh uh, to become the first NFL player to exceed 10,000 yards rushing in his career. Yep. Still up there on the top of the list. I mean, not, not the, the, the top. top, but top he's in— Top five, isn't he? Is he top, top five? Top five, top ten. Definitely top 10. So I know, obviously, Emmett, Smith, Walter, Walter Payton. Is Eric Dickerson to get, he get passed? He must have gotten past him, didn't he? I think Eric Dickerson is up there. I think Curtis Martin got past him. Yeah, because he just hung around forever. Yep. Forever. Mm-hmm. Curtis, my favorite Martin. That's right. Uh, Next one's for you. Yeah, 1992, uh, New York Jet wide receiver Al Toon. Becomes the 10th NFL player to make a reception in 100 straight games. The Jets beat the Dolphins 26-24 at the Meadowlands. Yeah. Al Toon was a little Toon. before your time. Uh, yes. Yes, he was. I mean, I was, I you was, were born, I was born in 88, I, yeah. but I was not really four or five years old. Yeah. Uh, 2000, Pat Riley becomes only the second coach in NBA history to accumulate 1,000 regular season victories when Miami, the Miami Heat opened the season with a 105-79 victory against the Orlando Magic. Lenny Wilkins is the first to achieve the mark. Yeah, and since then, uh, Popovich has crossed that, I believe. Ah. All right. Um, what do you think of Pat Riley? You a Pat Riley fan? I think he's one of the most important figures in NBA history. That wasn't the question. <laughs> I, I don't know if I, I – I don't know that I have a strong opinion on him to be honest. Am I supposed to? I don't know. I, I mean he coached for your Knicks uh-huh. and did well, just never got, got them up to the, to, the, yep. to the peak of the mountain. Yeah. Part, I mean part of that was the Jordan, right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he's a, he's a fascinating person. Um, there's a there's a great book called Blood in the Garden about that 1990s Knicks uh, team, uh-huh. and you read some of the things about Pat Riley, and you're just like, oh, I did not realize you were doing that. Yeah, you know, like demanding a portion of the team for himself, like like he wanted ownership, yeah. part ownership. Anyway, um, like what other coach would make that demand? You know, uh, 2003. Arkansas beat Kentucky 71-63 at Commonwealth Stadium, uh, Lexington. Of course, Kentucky's going to have their stadium called Commonwealth. Yeah, yeah obviously. Um, uh, ties NCAA record for longest football game ever played with seven overtime periods. Yeah. So uh, that's the main reason I put that on there. Though I think now I thought last year that record was broken with a nine overtime game. Because they changed the overtime rules. Did you know this? For college? For college football. I like the college football overtime rules so, personally. Okay, what it used to be, you know, each team gets a possession in overtime. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you kept playing until at the end of one of the overtimes, one team was ahead, right? Well, the first two overtimes you could go for uh, the traditional kick extra point, which sure. in college is a gimme base, mm-hmm. more or less. Um, but starting in the third overtime, you had to go for two if you scored a touchdown. Right. So last year they changed it to after the second overtime, you just start doing two-point conversions. Meaning like each team gets – so in the third overtime, the first team gets the ball at the two-and-a-half-yard line or the three-yard line, wherever they place it, and you got one shot to punch it in. And if you do, you get two points. Hmm. And then the other team gets their chance. So I think last year – was it Wisconsin and Illinois? There was a Big Ten game that went nine overtimes. Wow. And I think like four or five of those – that were just dedicated to the two-point conversion tries were empty, like meaning both teams missed their two-point conversion attempts. Like it was, it was an exercise in futility. I'm sure they were just exhausted out yeah. there on the field. Yeah, I mean it's it's it's, it's, it's a quick overtime. It's though. theoretically a player safety issue to shorten the game at that point. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting rule. I, I think some. I think you could tweak that. I like it still better than the NFL rule where you could theoretically never oh, touch yeah. the ball in overtime. Oh, yeah. So you got a preference out of this? Uh, I'm always a big Jim Brown fan personally. OK. Were you about – were you choosing something different? I was assuming you'd go with Al Toon because he's a Jet. I mean receptions in 100 straight games is impressive. Uh, but I try to fight against my biases a little bit okay. I suppose. All right, you want to go with Jim Brown? I'll go Jim. Okay, there we go. One thing you liked. All right, uh, so this last week I got to road trip with the one and only Doc Harmon. Yeah. Uh, up to uh, the lovely Swiss enclave of Bern, Indiana. <laughs> yes. And uh, and got to hear you teach a lovely Sunday school class, got to see some friends up there. Yeah. And got the tour of a very historic church yes. uh, there in Bern. Yeah, right downtown. Uh, yeah. Yeah, with a, with a giant uh, European style clock tower right in the middle of town. It's yes. beautiful. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lovely lovely town and fun to go down there. Um, and the road trip, we hadn't done a road trip in a while. We had not. We had not been on the road probably since Cincinnati. Yeah. So that's been some time. That was last summer. So like summer of twenty one when we did the uh, road trip to Cincinnati. Yeah, and we're gonna have to figure that out for this next summer. Absolutely, a nice road trip out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, gotta gotta make sure we see Steve in Cincinnati and Steve his, in Cincinnati and his clan. So, um, excellent. Well, uh, I will uh, I will go. I enjoyed that as well, and that would have been something I consider. Mm-hmm. But in the interest of adding additional content, um, this past weekend, uh, my wife and I hosted uh, a guy that is a candidate for our worship pastor position at our local church. And he's a Brit. So he's, he's a large Brit. Yes. Yes. How tall? Six six. Six six. Wow. Yeah. And he's a twin. Found this. There's out. another one of him <laughs> out there? <laughs> yes. He's got a duplicate? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. But just a, a lovely conversation uh throughout the weekend with him and um, he's got a great heart for the Lord, very gifted musically. I think he'd be a great fit. We'll see if that's the direction the Lord leads. Um, but um, and, and where in England is he from? Sheffield. Well, he's originally from Nottingham. Nottingham. Yeah. 
not not okay. Nottingham, as we Americans apparently are tend tend to pronounce it. And where where is Nottingham <laughs> in in England? I, I've obviously heard of it before. Yes, but. my 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 English geography is a little sketchy, so I'm not entirely sure. Now he's currently in Sheffield, which is about three hours north, I'm told, of London. Okay. And so, okay. yes, just had some fascinating conversations about life and ministry there. Uh, got educated on some differences between American English and British English mm-hmm. that could be very helpful to know in certain contexts. Indeed. Yeah. So, but he's, he's a, um, I suppose as the Brits would say, a lovely chap <laughs> and uh, wish him well. I told him about the podcast. Did you? Maybe, that was my next question. Maybe yeah. he will listen. We'll see. <laughs> add, add to our listenership in the UK. So we do have some listeners. We get some downloads in we the get, UK. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So we have talked football. We have talked Jesus healing miracles. We have talked Jim Brown. We have talked road tripping to the Swiss enclave. Do you like that? The Swiss enclave? Of (laughs) Bern, Indiana. And we have also talked about um, a British guy who might end up being our next worship pastor. Huzzah. Cheers, as he would say. I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.